0: We've intentionally um, set up the rhythms of our church that we have a big break from meeting like this over summer uh, and we have a big rest. Uh, And there's some dangers in that, which I wanna talk to in a second. But the point is we wanna be people, a culture that promotes and celebrates rest, right? And a lot of the good news of the gospel has to do with rest. And how much do we need that in our culture today? That it's so driven, it's so intense, and the gospel calls us to rest. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest not just like physically, which is important, but rest for your souls. Uh, Jesus says in Mark 6, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He says this to his disciples. The Sabbath rhythm is built in to the fabric of our DNA because it's there from Genesis 1. From the beginning of the Bible, there's this fabric that we're wired in the image of a God who would rest. And and that that narrative, which we've talked about a lot, weaves its way through the scriptures. And so uh, I had a good break. I had a good rest. I'm feeling really good. I'm, I'm like, I've been so looking forward to this morning. Um, I was trying to find a photo of me relaxing, but of course I take all the photos. So uh, this is a picture. This is kind of what, uh, this is my son Eli. Uh, this I I got that, I bought that for myself as a little present, that little chair thing there, because I was like, that's what I want my summer to be. And it was. And you know the good thing about spa pools, all pools in general, is you can't take your phone in them. Right? All of a sudden you've got to find these phone free places to actually detach from the matrix, like the camp we're going to go to, and like a pool. And so there's something about just light. And so I love that. That was a good picture of what our summer break was. But the reality is that when you start resting right, there's always the initial phase where you're grumpy. Who got grumpy? I was just, no, I'm not going to talk Jen's here, which is annoying, but I'm like. <laughs> but man, that first week or two, eh? Hey, it's just like grumpy. Just because, you know, it's like you slow down finally, and then it's just like, ugh. I was just grumpy and like trying to be like, just like I was never going to be a good husband and father in that first week or two, but I didn't want to be terrible. You know, that was the goal. Just somewhere in the middle where I can just get by. And so I managed to, um, to, to uh, rest somewhat well. And then we went to Mahia and the Lord blessed me because I lost my phone. <laughs> like lost, lost, like brand new phone as we start the year, lost. And, and you know how, like, um, normally you've got labors so i I'll just use the find my phone thing, right? But in here, there's lots of places with no reception, which included the campsite we were staying at and the beach we went to nine times out of ten. So I lost my phone. I like to think it got stolen because I'm a bit embarrassed about it getting lost. Maybe oh, in there's so many dodgy people probably got stolen. Uh, but... Um, But again, then I'm like fully detached from the matrix and it was just like, and so we went to Mahi around the 5th, I think it was, of um, January, stayed there for a week and it was like, oh man, this is really, really nice actually, you know, not not having a phone. We didn't have reception there anyway, but I'm like, oh, how, how much of our rest I've discovered is tied up with our disconnection to things like this? Because our brains kind of keep going, right? So I'm like totally disconnected from the news cycle and from everything. And then, like, I get back on the 11th of January home, being totally detached from what's happening in the world. On the 11th of January, I had no idea what had happened the week previous, and thought I might log on and just see what's happening in the world. As I jumped on my laptop, oh, I wonder what's if there's anything interesting been happening. And then I look I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, there's a civil war, and this no cap- the capital's been invaded, and it's like, whoa. And it's like, and then the thing is, you kind of get addicted, eh? It's like, ooh, what's gonna happen next? Ooh, what's gonna, oh, wonderful, get them. And I was, anyway, oh, I don't know why I'm talking about that stuff. But here's the thing resting, resting is an act of rebellion against a culture that idolizes productivity. And so my prayer for you is that, and I'm pleased to see most of you feel like, yeah, we had a good break. We rested well. And let's, let's continue to commit as a church to be like, we want to be people that are countercultural by resting well, by taking Sabbath rest seriously. We've talked about that alone. But here's the thing. The danger in what we've done is that uh, in in stopping our rhythms of meeting on Sundays, we can, our faith can take a bit of a hit. Sometimes we can get a bit disconnected from Jesus because the community of faith that we're used to gathering with that encourage us encourages us in our walk with Him. We've we've stopped that whole rhythm, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know, uh, I but I want to ask the question. Was the summer good for your walk with Jesus? Do you feel like you pressed in, that he was with you, that you leant into him, that he was near you? Rhythms of rest and slowing down have the potential to see us slowly distance ourselves from God. Our relationship with God can, can cool. But here's the beautiful truth this morning. And I just want to open up this year with this. God loves you, full stop. God loves you full stop. He's for you and God is waiting and God is near you. And having de- de- you know, great devotional practices doesn't make you more loved by God. I'm gonna say that again, having great devotional practices over summer doesn't make you more loved by God. God is simply here this morning and He loves you. <laughs> And He just wants to be near you. And so uh, the reason we do devotional practices, which I'm going to talk a lot about in my sermon today, is because we want to stay close to Him. We want to position ourselves frequently in a place that simply can receive His love. But here's what I want to say. If you feel disconnected from Jesus in some way or feel like like it's a bit weird coming to church because it's been a while between drinks, then fret not because He's here. He's for you. He's waiting. And there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He just wants us to, to say, awesome. He wants to run towards you and he wants to embrace you. And he wants to say, oh, I'm glad you're back at church. This is great. I know we, last time we hung out was you know, December the 20th, whatever it was. But it's great that you're here and I'm for you. And he wants to know that, he, uh, that he's pursuing us. If there's one element of God's character that's moving me deeply at the moment, it's God's patience. God's patience. He's so patient. He's been patient with His church, His beautiful bride for thousands of years. He's patient in our wanderings. He's patient in our doubts. He's patient in our fits and starts. We're like, oh, I'm going to go for you, Jesus. Then we fall off the wagon and then we'll, we'll, all of that. He's patient. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So this morning, I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, this morning, to turn your eyes upon Jesus. And that's why we're going to finish with worship this morning. Just to turn your eyes, to choose. I'm going to turn my eyes towards Jesus. I'm going to look full at his glory and grace. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And so this is a community of worship. Uh, as we said in that prayer as we start, we've come to worship God. We are not here to be entertained. We're here to encounter the sacred. We are a worshipping people. Here's my job description in a nutshell. I want to help people get close to God, and then I want to help people stay close to Him. That's my job, D, as a pastor. That's why I'm going to get my pom-poms out every Sunday around this. Every time we catch up one-on-one, I'm going to get my pom-pom. Like All I want is like whatever you're going through, stay close to Jesus, especially especially in the culture in which we live, especially with what's going on in the world today and in the church today, especially with what's happening in the political realm, especially with you know, what's happening with all the stresses and strains and pressures on our lives, we need to stay close to Him. We need to stay close to Him. Revelation 22 verse 17 says, "'The Spirit and the bride say, come, "'and let the one who hears say, come, "'let the one who is thirsty come, "'let the one who wishes to take the free gift "'of the water of life, would you just come.'" You know, uh, we've worked very hard, I'm going to talk about this uh, in, in a second, we've worked very hard to try and set up the systems and the things that will ha- and help disciple folks in this church to build a strong, deep devotional life that's not just around a Sunday gathering. We've worked very, very hard on that stuff. We've got home church resources, we've got upper clip groups, we've got all sorts of stuff. But the reality is that no one can make you come. No one can make you come. No one will force you, and God himself will not force you to live this sort of life. It's simply an invitation. And so I stand before you this morning. I've had you guys on my hearts big time, of course, over summer. I'm a shepherd of a little flock of of weird and ugly and and disturbed sheep. And uh, and so I've got to take this motley, messy sheep, bunch of sheep, and I've got a little shepherd, and I'm like, and it's like, and I've had you on my hearts, and it's like, and i just... This thing of God of just saying, we, we can't do anything but invite you. We can't do anything but invite you to come. So I stand on behalf of the bride with the Spirit of God in the room, and I just say, come. Come back to the Lord this morning if you've wandered. Come back into His presence. Draw near to Him. Don't let your pride stop you from getting close to Jesus, because all you have to do is say, yes. All you have to do is say, I'm thirsty. Yes, I want to be close to you. And so I just want to pause this morning before we go any further and invite the Spirit of God to come and minister to you if you're feeling a little bit like, oh man, I felt disconnected from Jesus. I felt disconnected from the life of God. Lord, let's just close our eyes and open our hearts. Lord, we just welcome you here. We thank you that you are here. And Lord, in this moment, before we do anything else this year, we just say, come, Lord, come come into our hearts. We've heard your invitation and so we respond. And we open our hearts and say, fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh. Soften our hearts where they've got hardened. Lord, where we've had doubts and wrestles, Lord, we just bring them before you. And Lord, still help us to put our eyes on you and have faith in you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And I just pray you'll breathe fresh life in Jesus' name. Fresh life into your soul. The Spirit of God, come and it'd just be like like you, you promised. Jesus, rivers of living water. So just fill us. We just still our hearts before you this morning. And say, fill us afresh with the life of God. Fill us with your Spirit that would bring life to us. And I just pray for a, a, a new awareness of the presence of God. Just a new awareness of the presence of God, where you felt like that's been a while between even feeling like that. I just pray you'd feel His presence just all around you. No matter what you're going through, what you're struggling with, what's happened this summer, you are just know his presence, his loving presence in Jesus' name. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to take communion at the end. And as part of that, I'd like to invite you, if you especially, uh, just like I, I just want to come to a place of fresh intimacy with God, that we'd love to pray for you. And we've got a prayer banner just over there on that side. And we'd just love to pray for you on that response in, in that way. Okay, that was the introduction. Um, <laughs> we're going to rip through a few little things here. I, we're going to do this every year for, for those that have been part of our church for a little while and for those that are new to talk about what we feel like the Lord has called us to as a community to really focus on. And um, in some churches, there can be that whole thing of like the pastor being, um, you know, coming down from the mountain and it's like, you know, this is what the Lord's calling us to, you know, let's do it. But that wasn't, like, obviously I initiated some conversations and felt the Lord indeed speak to me on some stuff a number of years ago. But then we went through this long process of discernment. I love meetings, not, but, you know, months of meetings and prayer and one-on-ones and conversations where I was like, I sense this is what God's calling us to. And there was just this resounding yes and Amen. Uh, that this is indeed what the Lord was calling us to. And what we sensed was it wasn't just to be for a year or two, but it was actually for 10 years. We were to, to just stay consistent on focusing on these three things as, as the main priority of our church. Um, and uh, I can't remember who said this, but it's like this idea that most people overestimate what they can do in one year, but underestimate what they can do in 10 and so I think there's a lot of wisdom there where it's like, you know, and so we're one year into this vision. Now, last year was very disruptive, but as we begin this year, it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm really feeling more confident than ever. Yes, Lord, this is what we're meant to focus on. This is who we're meant to be. Um, and so here's the three things that we really feel called to. Number one, and this comes up every Sunday in the slides at the start. Do you want to do the first one here? But this comes up, hopefully you've, you've looked at these. Most of you may have just glanced at it and that's it. But these are up every Sunday in the break and at the start of the service for good reason because this is what we're about and I want to keep it in front of us. We are praying for renewal in the bay. Uh, And you should definitely come to our (laughs) pre-meetings. Uh, we've been consistent on those we've had the zoom prayer meetings and we've had you know in-person prayer meetings we've had big prayer meetings we've had little prayer meetings we've had prayer meetings of worship we've, had, we've just been consistent and we're saying Lord we want your presence we want your presence it's your presence this region needs it's your presence we need we're praying that God's presence would be everywhere making all things new bringing everyone to life and we're waiting, we're wanting God to begin with us I love this we're wanting God to begin with us you know what what revival is? And, and I've been cynical about that word for many years because of what I grew up with and a lot of crazy. But it's like, here's what revival is. Revival is when re- personal renewal starts going viral. Yeah. I love that. Revival is when person, personal renewal starts going viral. When you're so filled with the presence of God and the goodness of God and the and the things of the kingdom of God and the spirit of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, you're just kind of in that triune glorious community that you just can't help but talk about it. And then it starts getting contagious because there's so much life on you that it's just like, and this is what we're desperate for. But, but, but so yes, we're knocking on the door of heaven in our prayer meeting. Please join us. We're going to be consistent for years, saying, Lord, pour out your Spirit on this place. Begin with us. But I tell you what, it's it's the attitude that's humble that says it begins with me. It begins with me. Lord, pour out your Spirit on these dry bones, on this dry heart, on this apathetic, complacent, sceptical person. Fill me with your presence so that I burn, so that I've got fire in my eyes. So we're going to pray for, for renewal, His presence. Secondly, we're uh, so that's the first thing. Secondly, we're going to f- uh, be intentional about discipleship. We're going to be intentional about, and this, these are all connected together, uh, intentional about discipleship. We don't just want to learn about Jesus, we want to follow Him as apprentices. To learn to live in the unforced rhythms of grace, we want to learn. This is our definition of a disciple, a person that's learning to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. That's a disciple. And when you choose to follow Jesus, you're saying Jesus is Lord. And, and, and the thing that we need in the church is a, recla- a reclaiming of the identity that Jesus is Lord both on a political front. Jesus is Lord. He's prime minister. He's, he's, he's the president. He's king. Jesus is Lord in this community. First and foremost, our allegiance is to Him. But secondly, uh, we aren't just people that believe in Jesus so that we get to go to heaven one day. That is, that is such a tragic deception that's come into the church that thinks that it's all about going to heaven when you die. It's not. It's about heaven breaking into earth now and a bunch of people called the bride the body of Jesus Christ who orientate their entire lives around learning to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And so we're like, we want to help you on that journey. And those, and again, I can't make you get hungry, but for the hungry, I can guarantee that you will be different if you take the journey with us in years to come. Doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. It's even shorter than it was last time I did that. It won't happen, as Rachel Hunter said, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. And we have had hungry men and women in this church now journey with us for a couple of years and and have a teachable spirit and they are changing. It's not happening overnight, but it's happening. People that had very poor, and that's been generous, devotional lives a couple of years ago now have consistent devotional lives. It's not perfect, it's not amazing, but they're chipping away at it. People that had no comprehension of what Sabbath rest meant and how precious it is to God have begun exploring it because here's the big thing about discipleship that we've got to get our heads and hearts around. It's not just about more information about the Bible. I love this book. I love this book. I read it every day. I studied it for three years full time. I adore this book. But let me tell you, if information about the Bible could transform people, the most trans- we would be the most transformed church generation in the history of the world. You can leave here after this little talk and listen to a way better one on the way home. You can just get on. You can listen to any New Testament scholar you want to. It's access to information is not an issue anymore. Information is helpful, don't get me wrong. It brings revelation, that can be great. But Jesus made it very, very clear at the end of the Sermon on the Mount about what transforms your life. And what is it, church? Someone. Application. Oh man, I've preached this so many times the last couple of years. No, I am, I am gonna stay as a pastor, Lord. <laughs> but that was close. Um, <laughs> Jesus says, those that hear these words and do them are the people that build their life on the rock. It's application. So what do I mean by that? It's not about learning more information. It's about learning a whole new lifestyle that's orientated around Jesus' lifestyle. It's learning the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is going to be slower than most of our society lives. The way of Jesus is going to be deeper than most of our society lives. The way of Jesus is going to mean you have a, like really tangibly, it's going to mean that uh, there's time in the day that you withdraw to lonely places to be with your heavenly Father because that's what Jesus did. There'll be be a day a week that's a holy set apart Sabbath day of rest because it's in the Ten Commandments. Jesus practiced this. We wanna do what Jesus did. It's Dallas Willard went on and on about this. It's learning practices. It's learning a new lifestyle that transforms you. And I've been chipping away at this for 10 years now. And I can. the reason I'm fired up about this is because I know it's true. I'm like I'm I'm only, like I'm a hypocrite in transition and I've got so far to go on the journey and I'm turning 40 this year and it's going to be like you know second half of my life you know and all that sort of stuff and you know I'm not trying to I mean, we may buy a Ferrari we'll see we're not you know no motorbike no here's what we're going to pursue for the next 40 years. We're going to pursue a life of depth in Jesus, continuing to sink deeper and deeper and deeper into the way of Jesus. And that's the dreams that we have. Not dreams of significance, but dreams of depth. Dreams where we learn to rest in his presence. Dreams where we go deeper and deeper into this way. And so this is why we're we're thrust about discipleship. And I'll talk about this a little bit more in a second. Ah! And then lastly, wholeness. Uh, oh, Lord, help me. Lord, uh, we're going to do wholeness. Uh, so we want to help people sort out the junk in their trunk, help people work through the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that come from life, whether that's by cheering folks on as they walk out of addiction, sorting out a budget, or helping parents learn to skills to love well. We're constantly thinking of ways that we can bless the fine folks of the bay and see God's kingdom come. Like We want to we, we not just um, uh, talk about it. We want to be as hands and feet. We want, to see, we want to see his kingdom come. And last year, uh, you know, um, you guys gave thousands of dollars so that we could start up our Manawa Order Trust. And we ran pilot programs for building healthy fano, And we're establishing um, the um, Value Life Ministry, raising hope to uh, help uh, folks in crisis pregnancies have other options than abortion. All those sorts of things. And, and it's so exciting. I'm going to talk about next week um, the uh, renewal thing and the wholeness thing are a little bit more depth. Everything in me is trying not to go down tangents because I'm so passionate about what we're about as a church. But uh, this, here's what, as I've been praying over summer about this, this is the kind of, this is the, the little riff I want to help us kind of kind of get our heads around what it means for us. Can you go to the next slide, Ian? Our next one? Though that is important. Um, All of that's orientated around Jesus. We just want him to be front and center. But here's the thing, especially as we head into 2021. I don't know whether every year we'll have a special little riff or whatever, but this year we got one. Here's kind of the thing this year. To pray for renewal is I want to to encourage us this year to pray selfless prayers. Now, I don't care if your prayers are 100% selfish as long as you're praying. If that's all you got, fine. If you're praying for the new Ferrari or if you're praying for whatever you want, you know, absolutely fine. But at some point, surely, we, we, we get to a point in our Christian faith where we're saying, I also want to pray some selfless prayers that aren't about me and my immediate needs and my immediate family. And that's why I love our prayer meetings because they're places of selfless prayer. Lord, for the hurting, Lord, for the broken, Lord, for this region that you love, Lord, there's so much pain in this place. Lord, would your kingdom come? Lord, would you do something in our little church that would just be a blessing to this region? Selfless prayers. Secondly, discipleship that we would cultivate a teachable spirit. You know, in the in the last couple of years as uh, we've endeavoured to be very intentional about discipleship. I've come to the conclusion that the number one obstacle to people growing in their discipleship journey is pride. It's pride. It's, it's people that think either I, it's for other people, it's not for me, uh, I don't have the time for it, not sure if I really want to, or, or to be really honest, people that have been Christians a while that think that they've kind of worked most of it out. Pride. And what I adore... And what I love seeing in this church is the humility as more and more people start going, I want to have a teachable spirit. Maybe I don't know it all. Maybe there's some practices that I could deepen in my life or learn in my life. And the humility that says, I want to learn from Jesus. I want to learn his ways. I want to not just do this in isolation. I don't want to, I want to be close. So can I encourage us to have a teachable spirit? And lastly, that we would be compassionate in the use of our time. You know, as we look at setting up um, all these different things to help bless people, the biggest, the thing I'm most nervous about is that everyone will, will think that we're doing something in the community and so they'll kind of bring requests to us, not realising that it's we who are doing the things in the community. Like we aren't, um, we aren't some social service organisation, we are a church. And so if we want to help people, literally it's you that's going to have to help out. And how do we do that without the gift of our time? We give our time to people that, that, that just need love and need support and need aroha and need wisdom and need someone to hang in there with them. It's not rocket science. All of our ministries, in terms of the impact we can make in this place, will be dependent on people having generosity with their time and being willing to hang out with people that are broken. And if you're broken, it's hard work to hang out with you. (laughs) Right, so you need lots of patience, and then you and it's good for your journey with God because if you hang out with broken people enough, you're like, "I do not have the patience in me to hang out with this person much longer." But I know the one who does. Lord, would you increase and would I decrease? Because I'm about to strangle them. Right, frequent feeling. Uh, so, but okay, uh, I, I want to. I just want to land. We're going to circle the runway for a little bit, but I want to focus as we as we begin this year. That's the quick download of what we're about. And if you're kicking the tires on being part of our church, uh, then that's what we're going to be talking about. And if you've been in our church for a little while, but haven't, that's what we're about. And I would just, with everything in me, say this, like what a bunch of ordinary people can accomplish when they have a unified vision and our work it's just it's extraordinary, not over the short term, but over the long term. And I would love us to get to the point where we we know we know what we're about. Where someone says what's Bay Vineyard about? Oh mate, we're about renewal, discipleship, and wholeness. We're about praying and you can give a little riff. That you would own this yourself. But the thing I want to land on this morning as we circle the runway for some time is is this, and I've talked about it already. As we start this year, I want to encourage us once more to be intentional about our devotional life with Jesus. Like that's the number one. If there's nothing else that you take away from our vision, it's that you would take that on board. And you know, it's New Year's, like it's 2021. And I don't know if you've made New Year's resolutions and how they're going on the 24th of January. Again, no show of hands, okay? Mine seem to dial down a little every year as the kind of ambition uh, is, you know, uh, kind of gets tempered with wisdom and all that sort of thing. But, but, you know, I like the idea of having New Year's resolutions because what else do you do? Just decide I'm never going to change? We are a people that believe in a God who transforms us from glory to glory, the Bible says. We aren't here to just be the same for the next 10 years. We're here to be sanctified so that we become more like Jesus, so that the fruit of the Spirit is more evident in our lives. And the number one way that happens is when we develop a strong devotional life. That's the number one thing. Like that's that's everything. And why is it why is it the number one priority? It's because Jesus said it's the number one priority. In both John 15 and in the greatest commandments, it's about being close to Him. Abide, remain in me, John 15, and you'll bear much fruit. The greatest commandments, Jesus was saying, love me with everything that you've got. With your heart, with your mind, which again, a lot of people, you know, the intellect, yes, it's about wrestling with this stuff. Soul, strength, everything that's in you, just the priority, the greatest, the most important thing is to love him, to be close to him. We face a crisis in the church because my Bible's so heavy, this thing's slowly sinking the whole time. I'm going to wave that around later. We are facing a crisis in the church today because we have failed to teach one another what it looks like to remain in Him, what it looks like to abide, what it looks like to have devotional practices that are part of our daily rhythms, habits of connection with God. We're facing it, and again, I don't want to ask you to put up your hand if you struggle with this because I know what will happen. If I ask you to put your hand up if this is something strong in your life, a whole lot of people that are over 50 will raise their hand and say, yeah, I've got a pretty good quiet time rhythm sort of happening. Not everyone, but the majority. For most people under 40 at least, most of you guys will not raise your hand because you'll be like, oh man, this is a struggle. And I don't say that to condemn anyone. It's just a cold, hard facts. I've had too many yarns over the last little while. And and secondly, I'm I'm just about 40. So I'm that same age. I'm putting myself in the struggle category. Now I'm a pastor. It's my job to have a good devotional life. I've been a pastor since I left high school. I went to Bible college for three years, straight into full-time ministry. All I've lived and breathed church stuff. And I can tell you, it has been the biggest battle of my life to get strong devotional practices happening in place for two reasons. Number one, because no one discipled me. No one held me accountable and, and taught me what it looked like to have a consistent quiet time. And that's a failing of the church. Secondly, These came into my life when I was about 20, 20 something. Now, listen to Ronald Rollheiser. You've heard me quote this before, but this is huge. Today, a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Pathological busyness, distraction and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Right? I mean, that's, that's written a number of years ago now, but isn't that true? but I've got good news. I've got good news, friends. I've got some gospel for you this morning. We we have not said, oh, well, I guess that's the end of the church then. We had a pretty good run for 2,000 years and I suppose uh, the old phones came along and uh, that's it. So, all right, that's been good. Good on you. No, of course not. We've said, how about we give it a good crack? And see if we can build a culture where people that have rubbish devotional lives can slowly but surely begin to build strong lives of depth that are connected to Jesus. Because when you're connected to him, you bear much fruit. You bear much fruit. And uh, man, we need this more than ever today. Like we... Like, I'm so excited about preaching this today because I'm not like, oh, I hope this happens. After a couple of years now as Little Bay Vineyard, I've seen people find such life by, by prioritising their devotional life and coming along to things like Upper Click, which is our little accountability groups for women on Wednesday, for men on Thursday, there's a Hastings ones now, by people going into home churches and doing the, build, building a devotional life module that we've made to help you do that, and, and, and normalising the conversation about how your devotional life is going. And this is where the kingdom begins to break in into our hearts and lives and then spills over. And the fruit that, that Jesus talks about is, is multi layered. It's the fruit that he's taught in, specifically in John 15, it's love, joy, and peace. I've talked about this a lot. Every human heart longs to predominantly be experiencing love, joy, and peace in their soul. Not as some theory, but as an experienced reality. We long, that's what we're advertising, saying if you buy this, you'll have love, joy, and peace in your life. And if there's, if there's this hunger in us for that, you know where you find that? In his presence, when you hang out with Jesus, your soul slowly gets transformed so that you get filled more and more as an experienced reality with love, of his love for you and you and love for others. Joy, you're giggling a whole lot more and being a whole lot more silly and there's a little internal giggle that no one can rob from you because it's the joy of the Lord. And peace in this crazy world with all that's happening in the political, all that's happening in the States, all that's happening with all this different stuff going on and swirling around, there's peace that we can find. And oh, and there's the fruit, uh, you know, Galatians 5, love, joy and peace, the first three and all the rest of that sort of fruit. But also missional fruit happens when people carry the presence of God into their workplaces. That's where the fruit starts happening as we start carrying his presence wherever we go. That's what, that's what it means to bear fruit. And it happens as we build these devotional lives uh, that are deep within. Pete Gregg, who's the founder of the 24-7 prayer, well, Movement, rebooted the 24-7 Prayer Movement a number of years ago, uh, wrote this recently on Facebook. He says, let's face it, sometimes life is just brutal. Sickness, suffering, heartbreak all around, all well a lot of the time. Like everyone else right now, I'm processing pain that sometimes feels relentless. Story after story of quiet tragedy, wave after wave of grief. So let me say this as clearly and gently as I possibly can. It is only my faith in the faithfulness of God that sustains me. Without this, I sometimes think I might explode into a thousand fragments of despair or implode into a hardened ball of selfish isolation. My heart grieves for those without the hope of life eternal in a season of so much suffering. Forgive me or if this sounds pious or smug, but I long more than anything else for others to come to know Jesus Christ in this fleeting life so full of pain. I simply don't know how anyone copes grieving families, exhausted medics, despairing parents without the consolation of walking through this crisis with the faith with faith in God and the solace of talking with Him daily in prayer. This is my north star and stormy seas, my gospel, my proven and eternal hope. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Some of you may know that um, one of our friends in this church um, was sent to prison last Thursday week. Um, won't name names, obviously this is public, but um, wonderful guy, became Christian um, about two and a half years ago, got baptised uh, in our very first, I think, baptism service that we had here. Um, very real faith, and, um, and uh, but working through brokenness in his life and that broken, brokenness manifested itself and he's having to do some time. Um, that's not who he is, like we we all have moments where we make mistakes, some of them have bigger consequences than others, so there's no judgmental thing of superiority there but for the grace of God, go I, right? Uh, But, so I went and visited him on Thursday, just been, and he'd been in, uh, his first time in prison, and um, and he'd been in there for the week, and very tricky to to get Uh, You know, it's just tricky to get in there and do all the... But I I managed, we're in the past, I had to work some angles and get in there and visit them, which is choice. Because I know the chaplain's out there. And um, man, there was a couple of things. I I left just really moved. Firstly, um, because for once when I got in there, I was like, I've had a really good summer with Jesus. Like that's the norm, I'm preaching, you know, from experience here, about sometimes summer can get a little wonky, you know. And it's like I'm a pastor, which is another layer of, you know, the condemnation boo. you've got to kind of chew through at the end of that sort of process. But but man, I've had a good summer with Jesus every day. Man, I've just, just been with it. I've been in his presence. It's been so good. And so I walked into prison, not having to like be like, oh, I've got to put on my pastor hat, and like, oh, hi, Jesus, and remember me, and, you know, help me. I was just, I was carrying, his, so I could go into that dark place carrying the presence of God. So I catch up with my mate, and, um, and like, at a certain point, he's like, oh, I can feel God's presence. And I'm like, So can I, (laughs) so can I. And then the guy's like, yeah, the chaplain said that, you know, doesn't matter what happens in here, they can't lock out Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, sure. But then it's like, so how does, so I'm like, he's like, dude, it's so heavy in here. And like the forces to like, that that are trying to uh, like push him to just not be, to not bring out the best in him, right? Right. Uh, really strong. And also there's like this routine that he's not in control of. It's just like it's gets locked up at certain points and all the rest of it. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, and, and the Bible says that in, the, in moments like this, when you're having a real deep conversation, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, right? In your workplace, in your family, you're carrying his presence. There'll be a little opening. And, and because you've, you've got a devotional life that says you're plugged in, you'll, just, you'll feel this wisdom that's beyond you. So, so this is what I said, and I sounded good, man. Oh, I sounded good. and here, I was like, here's the three things you need to do, mate. Number one, don't let this culture dictate how you use your time. Certain things are out of your control, but get some discipline around your time. So you need to think about when you exercise, and you need to think about when you have your quiet time, and you need to do those sorts of things when you're in control of when you can do it. And so like, like, don't just go along with the, the, the tide and the swimming, whatever. Choose what you're going to do. And I just, um, I, I looked up Nelson Mandela, and read some of his stuff. He was in, locked up for 27 years. And he got a routine that meant that he came out stronger than when he went in. So I was like, get some routine. Secondly, dude, double down on Jesus. Like go hard on your devotional life. Now this guy's been wobbly, it's like he's been chipping a line, but, but now it's like, oh man, I've got to, and I'm like, you've got to go hard or you've got to go home, bro. There's no two options here. You've got to go hard or you get, and he's like, dude, and he's real hungry. Tell me, how do I have a good quiet time? I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. If only more of my church would help, you know, I have this sort of hunger for this. And so I'm like, here's what you've got to do, bro. You start by distilling stilling yourself and inviting the presence of God to come and sit there in silence for a couple of minutes and say, Lord, come still yourself. And then open the word of God and just read a little bit. And there'll be something that pops out. Write that down in your little notepad. And then, and then just sit with it. And then write a little prayer about how you're feeling, whatever. And then finish with a couple of minutes just in, in presence of God. And it'll take you about five or 10 minutes. But you do that in the morning and at lunchtime and at night. I'm telling you what, you'll leave that church, you'll leave that little retreat centre. That's what we're calling it. Now you'll leave that little retreat centre. You'll be ready to start your own church, bro. You'll be so. I said. Thirdly, go to church. Like they have got chaplains out there. Go to church. Make sure you get the rhythm on Sunday. You put that. You go to church. And uh, I said, here's what will start happening. Is that you will start to carry the presence of God more and more and just watch how God uses you in this place. Just watch it. He's like, Yeah, I'm already can get along people and encourage them. And I've, so I've been thinking about it. Here's the reality, friends we are an, an identical. Place when it comes to our culture. There is so much at work that's forcing you to live a certain way, for your diary to look a certain way, and for you to be distracted and to do all this stuff. There's so much in culture that's pushing you to live a way that is not the way of Jesus, the narrow road that leads to life. That is the simple, cold, hard facts. There is very little difference on some levels between where he is and where we are in terms of the forces that are at play. And so what's my advice to you? get a routine, double down on Jesus and get a strong devotional life happening and go to church, right? And I want to say as we start this year, let's just say New Year's resolution, Jesus. I'm in, I'm in again. I've got a talk that's brewing. I'm going to talk, I've already hinted at it. A couple of weeks time, I'm going to talk about doubling down on Jesus. You're going to double down on anything. Double down on Him. Even in your doubts, double down on Jesus. You know, a sermon to come. But I'm like, why don't you, this? As we begin this year, I don't care how rubbish your summer has been in terms of staying close to Jesus. That's 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 gone. We're going to come to the table. East as far as the east is from the west. It's all gone. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's forgiven, and now we move forward. And so, what's this year going to look like for you? Because if we want to transform, uh, like we can't transform a blinking, we can't transform a square meter, let alone a, a, a neighborhood let alone a region, unless we are prepared to stay so close to Jesus that we're people that carry His presence wherever we go. That's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is simply people, ordinary, weak, broken people, who carry the fragrance and the presence of God. Through all of the ups and downs, through all of their weaknesses. they they are locked into Jesus. And the side benefit is that He He enriches our life. Our souls come alive. We learn to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. The pace of our life becomes life-giving rather than soul-destroying. We start to, to walk into the, the lush green pasture, the wide-open places of salvation. So as we come into uh, land this morning, I want to encourage you to join one of our home churches. We're going to be launching those soon. Uh If you don't know what Upper Click is, it's 7 a.m. on Wednesday for the women, 7 a.m. on Thursday morning for the boys at the Milk and Honey Cafe. We get together and we simply hold each other accountable about how our devotional life is going. And it's especially for people that have rubbish devotional lives. It's not a show-off session. We're very strict about that. If you, if you want to humbly say I want this, you cannot do it without a community that's going to gently hold you accountable. That's that's in our teaching on this holster. So if you want to, it, it's like I'd love you to it's open. Join us. Have a humble heart and join us and say, Yeah, I need this in my life. Join a home church, start a home church, do something and do the devotional module. Let's let's not just hear it, let's do it. Let's do it. Right? But uh, and again, I don't hope that this will work. I know it does. I know it does because I've seen the fruit and the lives all around me and I've seen it in my own life as we've had this, built this community. So let's come to the table this morning. Worship team, do you want to come up and uh, we're going to begin to worship the Lord together?